This is Five on Three, center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Five on Three, WFUV Sports podcast for all things hockey, sometimes NHL, sometimes not. Today, highly NHL because it is trade deadline day. Woo! The trade deadline has officially passed as of two hours and 41 minutes ago here in New York. For those of you who do not know, I am Samantha Borer, joined today by Nick Palmer and James Burley, and it has been Quite an interesting few weeks uh, around the NHL, especially in regards to the Eastern Conference teams and especially our three local teams. We have a representative from all three local beats right now on this pod, which is a lot of fun. But before we get too deep into that, boys, how are we doing today on this Friday? I'm doing very well. Nick, thank you for letting me go first. I think that was, was that kind little gesture there. I don't know if we don't have the visual component today, but... uh that was oh, there's just the respect between these three panelists. You guys listening, I hope I hope it, it it comes through in our voices because it just it just really is spectacular. And what else is spectacular is the moves that the Rangers and Devils made at the deadline. I know we're gonna get into that. We're gonna get into some of what the Islanders maybe didn't do at the deadline. I know that's part of the discussion here. Um, Nick, you're a big trades trade discussion guy, so I'll throw this over to you, man. This is gonna be a really fun one. Yeah, no, it's been a great time. Um, if you live anywhere in the tri-state area that's not on Long Island, um, if you're on Long Island, you probably have some big feelings right now about a certain bald-headed guy named Lou Lamorello. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to talk trades with you guys. There was a lot across the league, but obviously we're going to focus on what the, the people want to hear. So. I'm I'm looking forward uh, to having a good time with, as we said, some respectful panelists uh, here Absolutely. today. Some some very respectful panelists. I love that that's the name of the game. Like we're all just assuming it's going to be disrespectful, but we're like we're very respectful today. For uh for those of you at home, we we really care about each other a lot here on this pod. The three of us are friends beyond just this here. Uh, up and all the different episodes we do together, but nevertheless. Let us dive straight in. Uh, you couldn't see me, but that was me clapping my hands together and then diving. So I hope the message was clear uh, via audio. But let us start with the New York Rangers, most notably, of course, at this trade deadline or rather prior to the trade deadline as they made no moves on actual deadline day, which many teams didn't. Um, dare I just mention that first? A lot of teams did not make big moves today. You know, I feel like last year, a lot of the, you know, big, crazy trades we saw happened pretty close to the deadline. And a lot of those happened throughout the week this week. Same with a lot of the re-signings of a lot of big people. You know, I'm thinking of like Pasta on the Bruins. Like he was signed earlier this week. They didn't wait. And uh, a lot of teams didn't wait, so, including the Rangers. You know, Rangers signed uh, Tarasenko, I believe it was a week and a half ago now, and then uh, signed Patrick Kane, traded for Patrick Kane uh, just earlier this week, and he made his debut in the Broadway Blues sweater last night at Madison Square Garden as the Rangers took on the Ottawa Senators in what was a big womp womp of a uh, of a game if we're being if we're being real it was nothing like Vladimir Tarasenko's debut and you know of course you can't expect everyone to come out and score the first goal of the game in 
you know, their their debut in this new team that's been so hyped up and at this giant trade. And he said he was more nervous for that game than he's been for a regular season game in a very long time, understandably so. As he, you know, rejoins old line mate Artemi Panarin, joins a new squad that he really thinks is a chance at the cup. But yeah, Womp Womp was kind of how I have to describe it. He had some good looks that he passed up and was mostly just passing throughout the night. Just don't think he was very confident. You know, he doesn't really have any practice under his belt with this team. They stuck him on power play one. It was clear that there were too many people out there who were big shooters and scorers. And so no one really knew what to do with the puck, uh, to say the least. But nevertheless, Rangers now hold Tarasenko and Kane, which everyone was saying was kind of the key to the cup for them. So I don't know, Nick, I'll I'll go to you first as, as our resident fan of trades, I suppose. I know you're not a Rangers fan, but I mean, thoughts on this one? Yeah, this was exactly what Rangers fans could have asked for and probably more. I I heard a lot of people on the Twitterverse being like Kane's washed he's he's trash yet he's been playing on the Chicago Blackhawks and if you've been playing on the Blackhawks circa 2019 on the chances that you're going to be putting up numbers like you were when they were a cup contender is just not possible so yeah yeah there's concerns about his health his defense maybe his offense isn't quite where it once was but the fact that you can get him on an elite playmaking line, which is his deal with Panarin, who's also an elite playmaker. The possibilities are endless, and you get to move the kid line down to the third line, which is absolutely disrespectful to every other team. Uh, Obviously, I'm a little less hot on Tarasenko. I think that, you know, he hasn't had a great year, and I don't entirely blame St. Louis for that. Um, But he's, he's still a great player. Um, kudos to Arizona for nagging that third rounder out of the whole deal. Um, but yeah, overall, very happy for the Rangers. They're looking like a cup contender now that they have someone who's been there many times. It's not only that, but I thought the Rangers were really hitting their stride coming into the weeks ahead of the the deadline. I think, I mean, they've kind of regressed a little bit now that they've lost five of their last seven, I think, but it's not been an incredible reflection of the way that they've been playing hockey. They still look like they belong at the top of the metropolitan, excuse me, metropolitan division, which has uh, several really good teams at the top of it, as we know. Um, but with that said, I, yeah, Tarasenko's not the player he once was when he was on the cover of NHL 17 or whatever. And Patrick Kane is not the Stanley Cup winner that he once was. But you have to you have to take into context how bad the Blackhawks have been. Like you said, Nick, you have to take into context that. Tarasenko has regressed, but you put him next to players like Panarin, Zibanejad, give him goal-scoring opportunities, he's probably going to score a lot of those. So I think the Rangers have a lot of good reasons to be bullish about this team moving forward, going into a playoff run, and it's not like the Rangers already didn't have an impressive playoff run just a year ago. So that loss to Ottawa, take it with a grain of salt, move on. Um, I think they play uh, in Boston tomorrow, which is going to be really, really tough. Um, so again, when we talk about these types of games, when you go on the road and you play a team that, you know, that you're going to be in a tough battle against, it's a really, really good measuring stick, not only of how good of a team you can be, but of your character. If Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko can show up against the Boston Bruins, I think you've got a lot to be excited about. Um, not saying that they have to show up in order for the Rangers to get sneak out a win, but, um, obviously that would be the 
the the biggest uh, storyline possible to come out of that game. I think the Rangers are going to put up a fight, but the Bruins have been pretty tough to beat on home ice uh, always, but especially this year. So, I mean, I think it's been a great deadline, a great uh, trade deadline for the Rangers. You can't, you can't knock it. They went out and said, we're going to get some big pieces and they got two of the biggest pieces on the market. So that was really and impressive from them. Not to mention they're going up against a Boston team that just recently acquired Tyler Bertuzzi. Um, who is going to slot in probably somewhere in their middle six. Um, but if you're looking at an injury, I know Taylor Hall um, is on the LTIR right now. Uh, that's horrifying for a team that's lost eight, eight games in regulation this year. That's horrifying. Yeah, uh, that's a ridiculous stat. Eight games in regulation this year. I mean, you know, they sit pleasantly at the top of both the Eastern Conference and the league, but you know, creeping up right on their tails with the Devils, which we'll get to in just a second. So, you know, Devils have the opportunity to uh, to overcome the Bruins pretty soon, which is pretty ridiculous. Yes, as uh, as Nick has just pointed out in our chat, uh, they are the fastest team to reach 100 points in a season in NHL history this year, the Bruins are, which is pretty freaking ridiculous. They were already having a historic season. You know, it was their best season since like 1960-something or 1770-something, whatever it was. And now it's the fastest team to reach 100 points in NHL history. So quite a historic year for the Bruins. It kind of feels like, you know, pieces are maybe falling into place for them. But like you said, James, you know, I don't think it's necessary, absolutely, that the uh, the Rangers have to have both their new pieces show up in full force in order to win. I think it's possible. But also, you know, I think that it would make all the difference for them for uh, for Kane and Tarasenko to really be on top of their game, especially because, you know, Rangers have been playing shorthanded recently. They're going to have to continue playing shorthanded if Tyler Ma is injured. You know, he took a tough elbow to the face uh, in the game last night, got crunched up against the boards, ended up down on his hands and knees, and then went down the tunnel and did not return. Reports of an upper body injury. Uh, Gallant didn't really have much to say about it after the game. But, you know, I mean, he's gone. They've already got Kendra Miller out because uh, on sportsmanlike conduct, he was suspended for three games, though that suspension is over soon. And then you also have uh, who was it, it was a uh, Lingren, wasn't it? Who was uh, who was out as well. So we have a number of people out on that squad right now. Uh, but with that, let us let us migrate over to the. I what I literally I don't know geography. I'm not even gonna try. Let's migrate over to New Jersey. I I like I I like can't really even figure out directions in my head right now. So let's migrate to New Jersey. What direction is New Jersey from Manhattan? East, west, west, technically. Technically, west. You just said west, but Nick Palmer just said southeast. I'm confused. I think he was saying from the New Jersey perspective. Oh, I understand. I understand. Oh, understood. Okay. Well, then let's migrate to the west. Uh, to New Jersey to talk about the Devils team hot on the tail of the Boston Bruins. They, I believe I saw something today that said if the Devils win tonight and the Bruins lose, they have the opportunity to sneak ahead and become number one in the standings, uh, as far as I understand. Uh, they are, last I checked, they were one point behind the Bruins. Dare I... I think you're getting the Bruins confused with the Hurricanes. Oh, my God. You're right. You're right. That's exactly what it is. Thank you. Thank you. That is what it is. That is. I'm very proud is. of that. I appreciate you for that one, James Burley. Thank you. Of course. I am, I am known for making those little mistakes here on Five on Three, but what would I do without my miraculous co-hosts to uh, 
to help me out there. We're all but human. That's what we're here we for. Are all human, you know, and we bleed when we fall down. It's just it's just the way of the world. So I appreciate you. But yes, that is what I meant is for the the chase in the East and in the Metro Conference. Devils are one point behind the Canes. Thank you very much. That is what I meant. Yes, they still sit, uh, or three points behind the Canes now. They still sit, no, one point. Thank you. Nick Palmer, what are you doing? Nick Palmer. It's one is- point, and the Hurricanes have a game in hand. Thank you. Thank you. Nick Palmer's feeding me false stats, and I'm just trusting him, and it's it's going crazily, and now, you know, things are going off the rails, but that's okay. Um. Anyways, but Devils are hot on the tails of being tops right now in the Metropolitan Conference, especially, and I mean- James, we saw Timo Meyer join this team. And of course, he is not yet suited up, but he was cleared for contact today. He was officially cleared for contact and they said he might make his debut uh, against Vegas, I believe. Uh, it's wholeheartedly possible. I don't know if you've heard anything else about that or what your thoughts are, but I mean, got to be happy to finally see him there after, you know, the my my favorite was the shirt that I saw on Twitter that said, like, we Give want me freedom. Give me freedom, give me fire, give me Timo effing Meyer. So, you know, yeah. there's definitely been some passion there. Yeah, this, this Timo Meyer saga has been going on since, really since like a month into the season. He His name has been thrown out as specifically the player that the New Jersey Devils will need to acquire midseason if they want to become, go take, make the step from good to great or great to cup contender. And I, and I wholeheartedly believe that he has the ability – to be that top six scoring winger, that that powerful, fast top six scoring winger that will really fit into the Devils that they've been missing from that top six that they've relied on, you know, Dougie Hamilton at times to look like a a power type forward who can score like a top six player. And he's currently top 20 in the league in the assists, I believe right now. So, so to, to add, add that piece to play directly next to one of Hughes or Heashier, I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be Heashier because of the Swiss connection. Um, and I think that's going to do wonders for that team. But the Devils first line, as it is, has been killing it lately. They've scored 14 goals in their last two games. And you look at the players on the front of first line, it's Nico Hishier, Tomas Tatar and Dawson Mercer. Mercer's got seven goals, uh, got sorry, nine goals in seven straight games, seven straight games with a goal that ties a Devils record. Tomas Tatar is, I think, second in the NHL and plus minus right now. And Nico Hishier is still playing his way into Selkie conversations while also being a plus 50 point score through 50 something games being a point per game player. And and that's exactly what the devils needed from their young guys. And they're getting that. Now you take a look at what they can be when you bring in Timo Meyer. It's really, really exciting. And I think that while they don't have a kid line on the third line, like the Rangers do, I would argue that with everybody in their prime, that it seems like they are in New Jersey, Timo Meyer is 26. This is a team that if they can resign Meyer and apparently talks with Jesper Brad have already started, I think moving forward, the Devils have such, such an impressive core. Um, and I think they'll really be exciting even this year once Meyer gets uh, gets moving. I, I've tried to keep my ears open in the uh, Devils' inner circles on the, uh, the internet. I don't think he's going to be playing tonight in Vegas. Probably going to make that debut in Arizona, even though he was clear for contact. They really want to be careful with him, and I understand why. I mean, uh, he's he's got a, he's got a lot uh, of ex- expectations on him now. And I think it's another thing. The Devils also brought in Curtis Lazar. And I was scratching my head why we just paid a million dollars for Curtis Lazar coming in. And then I thought about it for a second. The Devils are missing the same reason that Timo Meyer was such a good fit is because of the power uh, ability that he adds in addition to speed and scoring. I think Curtis Curtis Lazar would come in and already lead the Devils in hits. And Timo Meyer would be number two. 
So I think that's a really it's a really big pattern that you're de- seeing there develop. And I think Tom Fitzgerald really thought about bringing in a bottom six depth forward who plays that uh, quote unquote meat and potato style hockey where it's just defense, 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 and um, really just doing the nuts and bolts of the work. And I think that Curtis Azar is going to add a lot of depth there. I, I was scratching my head at first, really like, what is the purpose? I thought the Devils already had decent bottom six depth even after trading Fabian Zetterlin. Um, in the Timo Meyer deal, but looking back, I think this is this is an important piece, especially if um, part of the future does not include guys like Miles Wood. And I think Miles Wood, he's he's going to be a free agent after this season. I thought he was one of the names that was on the block as well uh, to move somewhere else. I know a lot of fans wanted goaltending. I still, I I'm still, I'm still a fan of Mackenzie Blackwood. I know, I know that's not the most popular opinion. I still think he can be a really good goaltender. He's got to get over the injuries. He's injured right now, as I say this, and I know it's not great timing. But even if I'm wrong about Blackwood, the Devils have Akira Schmidt. So I don't think it's the end of the world. The Devils shouldn't don't have as big of a problem in goaltending as some might think they do. But Vitek Vanacek did not look great against the Avalanche. And I know that's the Avalanche, Sam. That's your team. They really look like the champs in that game, even without even with their entire team injured like it is. That the way they battled back from being down five one was incredible. The Devils ended up holding on, but they got a little taste of their own medicine. They've been the comeback kids. Really interesting to see, uh, really interested to see how Timo Meyer can crack into this lineup though, because the Devils have been really, really good lately, minus that that blemish against the, the Canadians in their last uh, home game, or sorry, a couple home games ago, excuse me. Yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. And I, I think, you know, there's something to be said for defense uh, sorry a good offense is the best defense um especially with the way that Timo Meyer plays offense you know he he's a very high shot volume guy he shoots the puck more than almost anyone in the NHL but more than that it's physicality and the fact that he makes those stretch passes a lot of the time where it creates a lot of rush opportunities and if you give the Devils a lot of rush opportunities they're going to be scoring a lot so I think Timo Meyer is a perfect fit um you know, he he drives whatever line he's on. And they sort of need a, a physical driver, playmaker, to sort of round out a team of, I'm not going to call it pretty boys, but guys who put the puck in the back of the net. You know what I mean? I'm not going to call it pretty boys. I, I love that. I think that that should be the name of a band. Our band, in fact. Uh, we were discussing starting a band uh prior to the beginning of this podcast and i think that i think that we may have just accidentally stumbled upon the name so more on that to come keep your ears peeled um i did want to touch on that game a little bit against the avalanche because you know that was that was an interesting one i you know i saw the the avalanche down 5-1 and i was like that's that on that like the end but you know both of these teams are known as comeback kids and i mean of course you know the devils end up winning 7-5 but I, it, you know, Colorado goes on a four goal run unanswered and like that doesn't bear very well for Vitek Vanacek, but I'm a big fan of him as well. Look, I'm not as much on the Mackenzie Blackwood train as you are. I know you're a big fan of him. I still think that, you know, perhaps his time has come and gone. He was an amazing goalie, pay his respects. But like, I think that perhaps his time being a number one goalie is, is not here anymore. I think Vanacek's on the rise. I think he's finding his way into you know, that slot. And I, 
I really like seeing him, you know, come into his own and thrive there. And uh, yeah, the Devils are a scoring team, to say the least. They're a high scoring team, especially this year. I don't remember if it was before or after the Avalanche game, but, you know, their social media team is known for being uh, funny and exciting and creating some some good graphics. And they posted some silly Twitter video of someone like shaking in their boots. And it was like our opponents when they see that we've scored like 14 plus goals in the last two games and we still have Timo Meyer in our back pocket, um, which is true. They did and they do. So that'll be really exciting to hopefully see him against Arizona. But yes, like you said, they want to be very careful with him. Uh, the Devils will play Vegas um, tonight. Um, and that is a fun game. Quickly, I want to touch on touch on this. Jonathan Quick was traded to the Vegas Golden Knights after he was traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets from the LA Kings. He was a Columbus Blue Jacket for a whopping, I don't know, four minutes, uh, dare I even say, or that's what it felt like. And then there was a variety of very, very, very funny Twitter posts uh, that all were like, you know, life comes at you quick and things like that. So, of course, uh, our own Nicholas Palmer is rolling his eyes. He's very sad. He was uh, looking very bereft on the day of the quick trade because he is, as we know, a Kings fan and a Jonathan Quick fan. But he now lands his way in Vegas. So at least he lands his way in a team that is not like 32nd in the league or something. At least he finds his way into a team with reasonable prospects, you know, to do very well this year. And he said, they said he's not going to play tonight uh, versus the Devils. However, he was suited up today in practice. So he's got a uniform. He's there. So he's in Vegas. I mean, Nick, do you quickly want to ex- express your feelings on that one for the for the crowd? So I started playing hockey when I was 12 years old. And the reason I started playing hockey, I'm a goalie. I didn't play any other position growing up I started as a goalie which doesn't happen for a lot of kids and the reason for that was Jonathan Quick um man watching that guy play he made some of the most miraculous saves and he was a steady force in the locker room you watched that presser just uh I think it was yesterday after morning skate with uh Kopi and Dowdy and they were crushed and you know they asked they asked him you know is it is it is it different? Is it harder? Are are you like chill with it? And Dowdy just said straight up, no. He's he said, I'm I'm not cool with it, which you don't see a lot of players openly antagonizing their front office. Um, but as you know, Drew Dowdy doesn't hold back from expressing how he feels. Kopi was a little more reserved as the captain must be. Uh but this this one stung. Uh because it was kind of a mutual understanding in LA that Kopitar, Dowdy, and Quick would all retire together. Obviously, you know Dustin Brown retired last year, but he he let he let them know that that was happening. They were all supposed to be kings for life, and unfortunately, Rob Blake kind of pulled out the rug from underneath Quick's feet. And I I think there was a little bit of an understanding that Quick was going to retire after this year. So from it, do I think the Kings are Kings are going to win the cup this year? No, I don't. Do I think Corpusalo and Gavrikov give them a better chance of winning the cup this year? I do. I do think that if the goal is the Stanley cup, which it should be for any team that's in a playoff race, then yeah, I, I, I see it. 
Quick was not providing anything from a goaltending perspective. He only had a positive year, one out of the last four. Uh, but maybe I'm sentimental, but there has to be something said for the guy who stole you a cup in 2012 and carried your team for several years and was, frankly, one of the three pillars of a great NHL team. A dynasty. That was a straight dynasty. That, that if, if you win two cups, I don't in know if it's years, a dynasty. That's a, they were a dynasty. Years, yeah. Sure. I think, I think, and I, I don't think you have that dynasty without Jonathan Quick. Um, you said he stole the stole the cup in 2012. You're right. He stole that from my from my hands, man. And he was the he was the most obvious Con Smythe winner uh, ever, in my opinion, in 2012. And you have every right to be sentimental about this. Sports are sentimental. Let's not forget that, all right? This is supposed to be sentimental. Um, it it broke my heart when Marty Brodeur uh, played for the Blues for seven games. Didn't have to happen. I mean, look, I, I know that, was, that wasn't because the Devils traded him. That was a little different. But, I mean, I, I think when you telling that story about Jonathan Quick, I understood it completely because I watched that 2012. He was magical, absolutely magical. And I know what it's like to to idolize a player and it gets you to play hockey. I felt the same way about Patrick Elias growing up. That's I was the only person in my family who even liked hockey because I would watch the devils and watch Patrick Elias. And so to, to see, to see Jonathan quick treated by his own team like this, um, it's, 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 it's disappointing. And you bring up Drew Doughty saying that he's not okay with it. Yeah. You never hear players uh, going on about their own front offices, let alone, big figures in the dressing room like Drew Doughty. So that's 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 a big deal. I, I think the Kings immediately knew once this happened that they that they uh, that they messed up. And I think the Blue Jackets recognized that they weren't going to let Jonathan Quick waste the final moments of his career in Ohio. And they were like, you can go have fun. Let's send you to the most fun city in America. And they were like Vegas. And I think he's going to have a good time. I hope I hope that Jonathan Quick's legacy does not get uh, tarnished from this. And I don't think it will. Um, he's 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 fully earned the legend status that he carries in, in Los Angeles. Yes, he he absolutely has. Um, and I I saw similar things online. You know, they like you said, James and Nick. I, I, they knew they messed up as soon as that happened because it likely is his last year. And you know, though he would not have, he was guaranteed to not win a Stanley Cup this year in LA, essentially. But I mean, would it have meant? I mean, obviously, everyone wants a ring. It's everyone wants a ring everyone wants to win but here's the thing is are you going to are you going to sacrifice having a a likelihood of a very a higher likelihood of winning in a with a team that's doing well this year are you gonna you know have him be where he's been his whole life and that's not my choice but the office knew that they uh they messed up there and so did all of their all of their teammates um which is sad, very sad, because, I mean, what is that going to do to shake the faith of the organization at this point? Um, yeah, that both James and Nick are now coming at me for saying that he wasn't going to win a cup this year because they were saying that uh, the lowest seed to ever win the cup was the 2012 LA Kings, as we were just mentioning. But the point being... I know that, like you were saying, Columbus wanted to do right by him once he was traded there and say he 
definitely was not winning a cup in Columbus. That we can say is 100% for certain was not winning a cup in Columbus this year. We know that. He wasn't going to win a game in Columbus. No. Let alone a cup. No, let alone a cup. He wasn't going to win anything. And that's not how you respect someone who has been in the league for as long as he has, who has given as much as he has to multiple teams, who has done, or not multiple teams, sorry, to multiple different eras of the same team, to someone who has done what he has to help this team win cups. So disrespectful, but good for the Blue Jackets for recognizing that and trading him and making some really funny graphics along the way that said our time with you was quick. And things like that. But now he moves to Vegas that has 90% plus playoff making odds, which will be very exciting. So, any hoomst, let us slide. Nick, I hate to keep, you know, dogging on your teams now, but let us let us slide briefly to the Islanders, who made essentially no moves um, at all and pretty much did what they did last year and didn't do much. And or at least didn't do much that was really groundbreaking in the way of trade deadline, Um, you know, as the day came last year. I think a lot of people were expecting a lot more. Nothing happened this year. I think people were maybe expecting some things. Not much happened. And now, you know, here we are at the end of this this trade deadline situation with the Islanders in essentially the exact same place as they were. So, Nick, I will go to you first as our resident Islanders beat reporter and Islanders fan. Thoughts on the trade deadline, lack of moves, you know. Not that they did nothing, but they essentially did nothing. Um, yeah, I don't know. What are your what are your thoughts? You were firing off some tweets this morning, so hit us with it. I I was firing off some tweets this morning. I, Islanders Nation is very unhappy with Lou. Uh, Lamorello at the moment because the big question was who are you going to add defensively and everyone was saying Gostaspear Gostaspear no it didn't happen he went to Carolina I believe um, which is a good move for Carolina not for us uh, they got him for a third round pick though and that would have been so nice for the Islanders um, they did pick up uh, I believe it was Pierre Engvall from the Leafs uh, who is a solid forward, but that's not who you're looking for, you know? And I think they paid a 2024 third rounder for him. Bottom line, Lamorello didn't want to give up Varlamov. He didn't want to give up Scott Mayfield. And I'm okay with that. But is Bo Horvat going to carry you to a Stanley Cup? No, I don't think so. So you are going to need people to step up here. And we recently, you know, Barzell's injury has been very hush-hush. He's not in a walking boot and not in crutches. So maybe that's a good sign because we know it was a leg injury. So, yeah, disappointing trade deadline. They had the cap space, which was the issue. If you have the cap space and you need a defenseman, you can probably afford it. And people are pretty upset with Lamorello in that regard. You know, the Islanders are in this weird spot where, yeah, they're in the first wildcard spot, but they've played three more games than every other team. Uh, sorry, they're in the second wildcard spot now. I believe Pittsburgh has uh, surpassed them by a point. And so it's uh, it's really going to come down to a battle between them and the Buffalo Sabres is, is what it's looking like. Uh, Buffalo lost last night, crucially, for the Islanders. Uh 
man, it is coming down to the wire. And the fact that Lamorello didn't make a move for a defenseman makes it feel like, you know, it's not that he doesn't care because he signed Bo Horvat to this ridiculous contract. It's it's confusing, if anything. And it sort of adds fuel to the fire that this Hall of Fame general manager, does he still have the stuff? And right now, Islanders fans are definitely questioning that. Yeah, I I think that Lamorello's old school style is is starting to get phased out. As someone who was a big fan of his, um, someone who has certainly um, appreciative of what his work as a hockey executive can achieve. I mean, there's there's not like he hasn't done big deadline acquisitions before. I, it's not really his shtick. I think the 2010 Ilya Kovalchuk trade was about a month before the deadline. I th- I mean, that one kind of blew up in the devil's face, but he couldn't have known that at the time. And uh, I think early season acquisitions is kind of Lamorello's thing. But this Bo Horvat deal kind of seemed like he was stepping out of that fold. And I'm not saying that the Islanders had to be in the market for like Chicharin, for example, but they but there were there were defensemen on the board. And that was the clear need for the Islanders. Um uh, especially with some of the injuries that are going on, I think I think you can look at their defensive core and say that this is they, those are the six guys. The the injuries are really in the forward core. If they brought in an extra piece to bring into that defense, they could have taken a big step in the uh, wild card conversation. And I bring up Chitrin because he's on the Senators now. I, I that they're in the running too. That was that game against the Rangers. I I don't. I'm not entirely convinced by the Senators by any stretch, but I think that. The East, the Eastern Conference wildcard race is, is more open than or than than we think. Um, it could come down to which team is the most healthy at the at, at, at in the most important moments. And I think the Rangers not adding to their depth, especially in defense, is um, is worrisome. Because if one one of those one or two of those guys goes down in the in the when the when the injuries end up adding up in the season, I think that the Islanders are going to be stretched really thin. Um, and yeah, I, I, I wouldn't I, – I still – we keep talking about the Isles having those three extra games played. Um, I All these teams are still playing catch-up. I think the Islanders probably have a stronger core of players and definitely have a better situation in goal than the rest of these teams, and I think that's going to – that's always invaluable. And we're just sitting here talking about Johnny Quick's presence in goal. Let's not forget about the Russian goaltenders in New York and which one is the best. I'll leave that up for interpretation. Um, but with that said, I, I the Islanders definitely have – stuff to worry about um uh with this deadline how with the deadline how how it's gone for them they're still in the driver's seat though it's 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 their position to lose with the points that they have with those games in hand can't let them come back to haunt them this was a really good opportunity to get an extra safety blanket on that and i think that they i think they messed up i think uh Lamar- i think the fans have a big right to be upset with lamorello but i also think that the islanders um still possibly have enough to to sneak into the playoffs. And I think if they didn't at this point, it would be probably a disappointment of a season. Oh, I think it would be absolutely a disappointment of a season if they didn't make it to the uh, playoffs this year. I think that last year people were upset, you know, for good reason, but the way that it was happening is everyone's like, oh, well, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. But, you know, just a couple years ago, they were making a serious run for the cup. And now I think that if they didn't even make the playoffs this year, let alone if they don't make it past the first round, that's going to be tough. But as it stands, they would play the Boston Bruins in the first round of the playoffs. And dare I say it, 
they would get curb stomped. Um, I think it would be a slaughter. Really fun to watch. Really fun, physical, aggressive hockey in terms of like there'd probably be a lot of fighting. But other than that, I think it would just be Bruins night and day. And it'd be it'd be so hard uh, to see as a fan, at least. Um, and to cover those games, I can only imagine what that would be like. But Islanders, once again, kind of disappointing at the trade deadline. You know, you're not going to have one player carry you to a cup. And I think that once again, Lula Morello kind of has dropped the ball on trading at the deadline. So with that, let us move to a little a little fun, uh, fun segment, which we have no mixed bag this week. Sadly, we love mixed bag, though, but. We can always make up some questions on the spot if we so feel, but henceforth, I first would like to ask everyone quickly what their grades are for each team as we have now passed the trade deadline. Um, What are your grades for each team? And this can be, you know, for trades made up until this point, I'll say, because I think it'd be unfair to just say like on the day of the deadline because nothing happened or just this week. So I think we can encapsulate, you know, trade grade overall. I am going to say I'll start with the I'll start with the Islanders and I'm going to give them a D. I'm literally going to give them a D because here's the thing is they've made one major trade this year that I think was truly helpful to them and everything else is just go. All right. So I'm going to give the Islanders a D. I'm going to give the Devils a solid. I think the Devils a solid B plus A minus. Quite frankly, I think that Devils did really well. I think it's going to bode well for them in the future. I think that, you know, there are a few people that left that I'm going to be sad about not seeing there. You know, I was a big Nikita Ahotuk fan because I saw his first NHL goal and I thought he added a lot to that squad, especially as a as a rookie. But he's gone. Peace, love, and positivity. Um, but I'll give them a good, a good B plus, A minus. And then the Rangers get an A from me because, you know, once you get Kane and Tarasenko, I think they're in a good place. Plus, they really didn't give up too much. Um, over the course of the season, like just for, for draft picks for Kane, you know, it used to be the asking price was so high and now it's it's draft picks and part of his salary is retained. So they're paying pennies. So honestly, I think that all in all Rangers knock this one out of the park. James, how about you go next? What are your, what are your thoughts? I'll give, I'll give the Islanders a C minus because I think the Bo, I think the Bo Horvat deal is. I think I think we I don't think just in just this this episode we haven't given it enough credit because I know I know it was a ridiculous contract and Lamorello himself hey how do you think of the, what do you think of the contract uh, it's too much money that's all he said and I that was more of a that was more of an indictment on just how much money hockey players make in general but I I I think I think for for what Bo Horvath provides to this Islanders team I think getting him in the way that they did was a big deal um, not doing anything at the deadline as we've you know we've beaten we've beaten the dead horse now it was with the money that they ha- they could have spent is a bit is a big problem um i'll do rangers definitely an a i, I think there's there's no other way to cut it the pieces that they that they lost i mean for what they got is is incredible and i'm going to give the devils an a as well because i know the devils probably were thinking about maybe bringing in another player another goaltender but as i've said I rely on Blackwood as a number two. I think he, I think he's been good since 2023, since the turn of turn of the new year. Um, I think Akira Schmid can be that guy if Blackwood isn't. And you look at what they sent away. Fabian Zetterland. I think that's a pretty pretty sizable loss for your bottom six. I think he was a promising young scoring uh, winger. Um, but for team for for bringing in Timo Meyer, you get rid of Ahotiuk, 
uh, Zetterland, Andreas Janssen, and um, um, I'm blanking on. Oh my goodness, this is this is bad. Uh, who and Shakir Mukhamadulin, who was I thought was the best prospect of the players that the Devils gave up. But you look at the prospects that the Devils still have; they kept their top five, and Mercer was involved in the talks, and he he didn't get sent away. Sharon Govich was involved in the talks; they held on to him. Uh, who and uh, even even the Luke Hughes is coming into this team, so they didn't really need a big boost in defense. So I think the Devils identified their strengths and weaknesses really really well, and I think it'd be hard to say that it wasn't a great deadline um, for the Devils and Rangers. And for the Islanders, I thought if they were just a little bit busier, they could be sitting pretty with the Devils and Rangers because all three of these teams should have been buyers. And I think the Devils and Rangers fulfilled that. The Islanders maybe came up a little bit short. Yeah, I I like your analysis of that. I, I, I'll start with the Devils. I'll, I'll give them a B plus, but but it's not like an 87 B plus. It's like they, they got an 89. Like that that's for all intents and purposes, they got an A minus. Um the Timo Meyer trade could not have gone better. I don't think. I don't think there's anyone who fits into who the Devils are now any better than Timo Meyer. I think that they were the uh, OTP, the one true pairing uh, that we were looking for. As far as the Rangers, yeah, I'm with you. That's probably about a 97. You know, you're you're bordering on A plus territory. I mean, they absolutely swept the floor with the trade deadline. I think I think Tarasenko might not pay the dividends that they're hoping for. I don't even think maybe Kane will pay the dividends that they're that they're hoping for. But the amount of experience that you're getting on a very young team with a lot of talent is going to be invaluable when they're going up against uh, whoever it is, the Devils, you know, or if they make it in the later rounds, especially against a team like the Lightning. You need experience against a team that grinds out a full, uh, you know, postseason series as the Lightning do. Uh, the Lightning don't let up ever in the play in the playoffs. So you know you need you need that sort of leadership there. Uh, and as far as the Islanders, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna be, uh, I'm not gonna sound like a fan here. I give them a C. Uh, this includes the Bo, Bo Horvat signing, which, as you said, I don't think got nearly enough credit. Uh, and, you know, I, I actually like the Pierre Engvall signing. It kind of it kind of flew under the radar uh, with the Maple Leafs. And frankly, I think they fleeced the Leafs a little bit there. Uh, I believe he's he hasn't played for the team yet. He's joining them tomorrow. And, you know, I, I, I give them a C. I, I People were saying trade Varlamov, trade Varlamov. I actually don't really like that because if you think back to uh, to the run that they had in 2019 where they made it to the Eastern Conference Final, that was a combined goaltending effort. It, and Varlamov led the way a lot of the time. So I think he is a valuable piece to have in the playoffs. You know, do I wish they did more with the cap space? Do I wish they got defensemen? Yes. But hindsight is twenty twenty three, and let's see what they can do going down the stretch. So true. Hindsight is twenty twenty, but let us use some some foresight. Hindsight is twenty twenty three. Okay, let's use some foresight then. I guess as opposed to hind, use some in front sight, and look to these playoffs. 
before we end, we had a, a good suggestion by the lovely Nicholas Palmer. And uh, oh, they're, they're mad about my puns now. They're dropping things in the chat saying that my, my puns were very good. They were not. My puns were bad, to be frank. They were very bad. Let us move forward. And look, we are currently looking at a graphic that was dropped today by the NHL detailing what the playoffs would look like if they began today. And we're going to do a fun little thing in which we say one team that we think is currently in these playoffs that by the time we hit actual playoffs, in fact, will not be there. So with that, I don't know, Nick, do you have any idea? I'm sure you have a strong idea as our very opinionated, detailed uh, playoff man. You have, well, lest we forget when Nick Palmer detailed the entirety of his Stanley Cup playoff bracket with who scores what goal when in what minute of the game and everything. And though it no longer truly works because some things have happened, um, I still would love to afford you the opportunity to speak your mind first. So give us your your plot line for what you think will happen and what team that is currently listed in this graphic will not be there by the end. For those of you who do not know, if the playoffs started today, I'm not going to say the standings, teams that would be in it. Stars, Jets, Wild, Avalanche, Knights, Oilers, Kings, Kraken, Bruins, Islanders, Maple Leafs, Lightning, Canes, Penguins, Devils, Rangers. So, from that list, Nick Palmer, hit us with it. The team that is currently in a playoff spot that will be missing the playoffs is the Winnipeg Jets. They are choke artists, as we know. Uh, they never seem to put it together, whether that's in the playoffs or at the end of a season. They have these couple star players who, for some odd reason, you know, Line never really flourished at the end of a season. He was a very first half of the season player. Um, but, you know, he's gone. Uh, so they're relying on players like Shifley to uh, carry their weight. And they're relying on Connor Hellebuck. And... Connor Hellebuck, as far as I'm concerned, you know, he's put together these fantastic games. And I'm sure you can both agree with me. He's also very inconsistent. So when you're putting all of your weight on a goaltender, as frankly, the Islanders are doing right now, you run into a little bit of an issue. And I believe the Jets have a pretty strong schedule going into the last uh, part of the year. And even if they don't, I see a team like the Calgary Flames pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and battling it out for who in Canada deserves that playoff spot. And if it's not the Flames, it's the Nashville Predators. The Nashville Predators, I also believe, have the grit and determination to steal that spot away from the Jets. Are we doing East and West or just one one team? Totally. Just one team. Okay, I had an East and West, so... Okay, so let me narrow mine down. Do your thing. Okay. All right, I'm going to stick with the West. Uh, I'm going to go... Now, bear with me here. I was going to say the Jets, but I'll change things up, so I'll do East. I'll do East then. I'll do East. That That's more fun. And this, this next part isn't going to be fun because I do think the Islanders won't make the playoffs, and I'm sorry. I do think, I do think the New York Islanders should be good enough to make the playoffs. And I and I think they're going to have a little bit of help from the fact that the Sabres, 
and Senators have some of the hardest remaining schedules left. But I keep going back to those games in hand that every other team has on them. I can't see the Islanders consistently winning at a rate that these teams won't catch them because they're they're only two points ahead of the Sabres with and the Sabres got four games or sorry, four points ahead of the Sabres. The Sabres have four games in hand. And I and I said if the Islanders had added another player here, probably would have taken them. But I think in the East, I think we're getting seven out of those eight. And I'm th- I'm saying that I'm saying it's going to be the Sabres. I think the Sabres are going to sneak in, and I'm still so shaky on their goaltending situation. But I love their I love that they that they're a fast team now, and that's what the Sabres had wanted to be for a long time, and were failing to do that. And they had one fast player named Jack, and then a, a bunch of non-fast players, and now they have a really young, dynamic team in both the forward and defense. And I think. If they had a goaltender, I thought they may be in the market for a Mackenzie Blackwood type. But with that, with that, I'm sorry, Nick. I, I I know I I know I was I didn't want to rain on your parade. So when you said one team, I was really excited to do just the West, and then it was the Jets. So I had to change it up. So I'm gonna go with the Islanders. Although I do think the Islanders have a better pl- chance of staying in the playoffs than the Jets do. I will say that. That's not saying much at all. I, but I appreciate it's something, it. man. It's what it's what I can give you in this moment. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. I uh, I was also gonna say the Jets. So uh, to avoid redundancy, I'll just throw a little wild card in there that I don't even fully believe, but like I'll just say it because like why not? Uh, the Penguins, I guess. Yeah, a little bit of a shocker there. I know I just saw everyone's face go what? But here's the thing, Islanders. You know they they've played like we said they've played three more games than the Penguins have. They're a point behind, but. I think that it's wholeheartedly possible that, like you said, you know, Buffalo finds their way in there and makes a run. And I think it could end up being Islanders Buffalo. I think that's possible. But I don't I don't know something about it. It's just like, mm, will they? Won't they? It feels impossible that they like won't make it or like it won't at least like find themselves in a decent position at the end of the season. I don't even know if I fully believe what I'm saying. I really don't. But I don't really want to sound redundant and choose the Jets again. But here's the thing is at any given point in time, any team can crumble. And that's that's the beauty of this year's sport, is that you never know. Because Nick has just said, you know, they've won four in a row recently, which which doesn't really bode well for what I've just said. But at any given time, you know, a team can slide. Just like at any given time, a team can get hot. People go on those end-of-year streaks all the time to just find their way in the playoffs by, by one game. Yeah, Tampa's lost three in a row, as Nick just said in the chat as well. So here's the thing, is anything can happen at any time. And I'll just say the penguins because why not why not throw one out there and you know what i love the the calgary flames or the national predators pulling themselves up by their bootstraps and uh making it into the wild card spot because i see that be wholeheartedly possible so yeah the west is a but is a lot more of a um of a uh i don't even i can't i can't even think of a pg version to say of what i was going to say it's a it's a lot more of a kerfuffle i suppose um and I think that, you know, at this point, so many of those teams are just very, very up and down. So henceforth, we will have to wait and see. That will do it for us this week on Five on Three WFUV Sports Podcast for all things NHL and hockey. I am Samantha Bohr, joined once again by Nick Palmer and James Burley for this week. 
We're all giving each other little hearts on camera, which I know you guys can't see at home, but it's actually really cute. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Have a lovely, safe week. Enjoy the weather uh, that's going to be awful tonight and tomorrow, but stay inside, stay safe, have fun, be safe, make good choices. Five on Three is a production of WFUV Sports.